0: If you watch uh, CNN or any kind of news or anything, which I don't... I remember one time I watched Lou Dobbs, I guess it was, and Lou Dobbs, the incredibly right-wing guy who, I think hes he goes on and on about getting rid of the borders and this whole American Union, and they've got the money all ready, and they've got all the plans ready, and their borders are all going to be opened up, and we're all going to lose everything we have because it's all, everything's going to equalize, and then we'll all be poor, and blah, 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 and it's just all step toward one world government where we're all enslaved, and I just think, you know, these. these. These guys are really funny. They're talking about all this one world government and enslavement like it's something in the future, like it's something that's going to happen. When the truth is, there already is one world government. All of us in the world are governed by something, and we don't know it. What are we governed by? We're governed by sleep. It is the world government. Everybody on this planet is asleep, and the people who are born awake onto this planet quickly are put to sleep by the other sleeping people around them. That's the truth of our condition. And now this work is about somehow waking us up. Now who is us? Only a very few people look around you. Only a handful of people are interested in this. Now when I say interested in this, I don't mean for intellectual entertainment. I mean interested in waking up, paying for it. There is a price to be paid to awaken. And the price is dear, it's very dear. And when people find the price, they think, well, I'm already awake. And then they live in their imagination. Of course I speak of the waking sleep that the world is convinced doesn't exist. I'm not talking about sleep on the bed i'm talking about this waking sleep in which you meet everyone you drive on the freeway and you see other people they're in waking sleep and on the freeway every once in a while you'll find someone who is it's so clear that they're asleep they're putting on their eye makeup or they're working on their computer or they're text messaging somebody while they drive 60 or 70 miles an hour that people is waking sleep the moving center is active but they're asleep. Now, how do you know that? Well, because they're putting their own lives and the lives of many other people in danger without even a thought about it. There is no awareness of it at all. And if you were to confront them, they would say, oh, well, I'm more awake than these other people. That's how come I can do that. That is literally what they would say. They would say, well, I'm just more conscious than these other people. That's how I can do that. I'm multitasking because I'm more intelligent and more conscious. They don't know. They're convinced that they're awake. This is waking sleep. This sleep the world calls being fully conscious. That's what this is. That is our governor. That is what governs us. This state of waking sleep that the world is calling fully conscious. Gurdjieff said, Nothing can stop the present movement of the pendulum. It will soon be either ants or bees. Don't take it all so literally. He's not talking about ants and bees. It's a figure of speech. He's trying to say, Look, sooner or later it's going to be one way or the other. Nothing can stop the swing of the pendulum that this world is involved in. It is swinging in a certain direction. And sooner or later, it's just a matter of time. Nothing's going to stop that swing. When it gets there, it's going to be answer B's. It'll be one or the other. The world thinks that that whole idea is absurd because the world says, and you will recognize this, that the solution of things is clearly outer change. The world agrees it's outer change. The only thing is gonna fix anything is outer change. That's why we have a president who is now our new hope. I know I saw this on TV the other day, I saw this commercial, I thought it was a joke. It's Obama Chia. And then they go, a new era of hope and a new vision and new this and new that. And this wonderful Obama chia And all you have to do is add the seeds and to the water and then spread this paste on this Obama chia's head and watch it grow. Honest to God, this is true. This really, really happened and they're really selling this and they really had this whole rap with it literally about all the hope and the new vision and all this stuff and this can't remember what they said it was so bizarre connie had just, i said connie look at this and she she was like incredulous i said this is not a this is not a spoof we're not watching south park here this is real <laughs> you know these people are really selling this call now and people are really buying this I thought, okay, well, this is the world's idea of the solution, outer change. We now have a new president, so everything's going to change. Everything's going to be different now. This is our hope. You know, I've even heard him called our savior. Okay, great, wonderful. Nothing is going to change, except the pendulum is going to continue its movement. And as it continues its movement, we will call that change. But nothing will change, because it's already set in a direction. The world believes political creeds and scientific discoveries is what the solution to the problems of our planet, the people of our planet. When we finally have the scientific discoveries where we can wave a wand over a field and it will produce tons of food for starving people without any water, without any work, without anything, then our problems will be solved. Everybody will be fed. Everybody will be happy. Everybody will have everything that they need. And then we'll have peace on Earth. No. That's not what will happen. That will never happen. And the very fact that you think I'm a pessimist when I say things like that, or that you think that I'm being extreme when I say things like that, is proof that you believe in outer change. The very fact that you resist that whole idea that it's all going to be better is proof that you believe in outer change. You believe what the world believes. And why not? You're part of the world. You were raised by the world. You are spawn of the world. That's what you are. You have become polluted by the world. You were born awake, put to sleep by sleeping people, and learned their sleeping habits and that's where the work finds us and it comes through and it picks some people out and it says this one this one this one they have enough light they have enough something they have enough what it takes so that there's a possibility that this one can make it this one can wake up and come out of that world system so me i'm happy i'm one of those people well that doesn't mean you made it that just means you are allowed to work on it you have a chance. It's better than a lottery ticket, because on a lottery ticket, someone else is picking the number. But with your chance, you're picking your own numbers. You're doing the work. And if you choose to do the work, you progress. And if you choose not to do the work, you don't progress. You don't develop. So it's all in your hands. People think that change can only be outside, that people don't really change within. You'll hear it all the time. People don't really change. They just get better or worse at what they were. And I can agree with that. I can say people don't really change, but they can be transformed. And transformation is not change. Transformation is beyond change. This constant outer noise through the senses convinces people that they have to hear and see everything, or they're not really alive. They develop big appetites. People in our world have big appetites. There's just never enough. They've got to have this, they've got to have that, they got to have a new car, they got to have a better car, they got to have a new house, they got to have a bigger house, they got to have a better job, they got to have a better salary, they got to have better this, they got to have bigger that, they got to have a better plate of food, they got to have a bigger plate of food, they got to have better clothes, they've got to have got to have got to have better relationships, they've got to have got to have got to have got to get. Why? Because we believe in the external senses. And when we believe in the external senses, they must be satisfied by external impressions. So we develop these big appetites for external impressions. And so we go on this voracious rampage of trying to take in as many external impressions as we can, trying to visit as many places in the world as we can, try to get as many good, happy experiences as we can so that when we're old, we'll be able to remember our memories and blah, 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 blah. It's impossible to satisfy the external senses. cannot be done. The ear always wants to hear more. The eye always wants to see more. The mouth always wants to taste more. Your sense of touch always wants to feel more. It's never satisfied. If it is satisfied, it's only for a moment. And then the whole process begins again. But it is possible to get internal impressions from conscience, if we connect with real conscience. This is how we were created to function, connected internally, not externally. We are connected exactly backwards. We get our impressions from the world through the external senses when we need to be getting our impressions through internal senses from real conscience, which is the same for everyone, everywhere, in every age, at all times. The truth is the truth is the truth, and real conscience is your connecting link to that. And you have internal senses that can connect you to that. So that is possible. But because people are throwing away the small amount of consciousness that they're given, it's possible for some to collect this unwanted, unused consciousness and begin to awaken. This is what Gurdjieff taught, that consciousness is a substance, a material, like knowledge, and that there's only a certain amount of it that's available at any given time. How can this be, though? For to him who has shall be given and it shall increase to him. But to him who has not, even that which he has shall be taken away from him. Ancient esoteric literature. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that life isn't fair. That the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. That's what it means. And that's just wrong. That's just the way people look at it. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. It's not fair. Now take that internally. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Why is that? Valuation. When your valuation increases, you have an increase. When your valuation decreases, you have a decrease. You get poorer. And we're talking about poorer psychologically or richer psychologically. It has nothing to do with what you have in your bank account. This has nothing to do with what's in your wallet. This has nothing to do with what you own in the world. It's nothing to do with that directly. What you are psychologically may very well have something to do with that in the world. But that's not what we're talking about now. Gurdjieff said there's only so much force of consciousness at any particular time. It's like a gold bath. If you dip too many spoons in it, each will get only a spot of gold on it. And then the spoon becomes useless because it's just a spotted spoon now. And if it was supposed to be a gold-plated spoon, it's now worthless because it's not gold-plated. And all the spoons are now worthless because they're not gold-plated. But if you only put the proper number of spoons into the bath, then all of the spoons get enough gold to become gold plated, and then they become useful. They're of greater value. This is the idea about consciousness. Why is it that the world is asleep? Well, there's not a lot of consciousness available. How can you say that? Well, I can't really. What I can say is that there is a limited amount of consciousness available but that limited amount is plenty for me because 99% of the people on this planet don't want it at all. So that really leaves plenty for the few who do, which is great for us. And the worst times are, the more is available. And the better times are, the less is available. Why? Just the way it is. Or at least that's what the work teaches. Intelligence is a measured thing, a force a definite substance of which there is a definite amount at each period of time. Concentrated, it means that we get some intelligent people. But if you dilute it so that everybody's got a little bit of it, then you end up with no one being intelligent. The way the pendulum is swinging today, not only are people not getting more intelligent, they're losing the intelligence that they have. And if the movement of the pendulum continues the way it's going, they'll even lose their instinctive intelligence. And you'll see that there are people who are losing their instinctive intelligence. Now, instinctive intelligence is what the animals have. And you'll notice that in their own way, many animals are much more intelligent than most people. Most animals know what to do when they're sick. They stop eating, they go lie down, they drink water, and they they stop putting food in and they let their bodies heal. Most people have forgotten that instinctive thing. They've lost it. They can't do that. They think that they should eat for comfort. They think they should eat because it's time their instincts have been whittled away by their lack of valuation for intelligence and consciousness because they're looking for external answers, external solutions to things. So these internal answers are unimportant to them. That's poppycock. That's craziness. Give me the new drug that they just synthesized. Give me the new one. But that's all based on some form of plant life. I don't care. Plants grow in dirt. I don't want that. Give me the ones that are made, give me the little sterile pills that are made in the factory. It's insanity, but... It's the insanity that we partake of. I found this toothpaste based on an old Ayurvedic recipe, thousands of years old, probably 5,000 years old and I'd had a problem with a tooth very painful and sensitive and I got this toothpaste and I started to brush my teeth with it within a week I noticed there was a huge difference that it was not as sensitive and the pain was just diminishing 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 after a month there's no pain nothing it's all healed and Connie said to me the other day well you have to have a root canal you can't heal that can you? I said, I don't know, but I do know one thing. I know that the body is capable of healing itself. It's a self-healing mechanism. It's capable of healing itself. I know that. And I know that we are getting in the way through our negative emotions and so on and so forth and our lifestyles. We are getting in the way so that the body can no longer heal itself. We can't do what an animal can do now. We have to have a health care system that costs billions and billions and billions of dollars and doesn't work. We're not healthy people. Conscious force is lost by those who do not value conscious force. It's collected by those who value it, and the collection method is self-remembering, self-observation. That's the collection method. If you want conscious force, remember yourself. Remember what you're here for. Remember who you are or who you could be who you were before you were polluted by the sleeping people around you and now you're one of them and we bring children into the world and what do we do we quickly put them to sleep so that they'll be like us we train them up in the way they should go so when they're old they will not depart from it if you're asleep you're identified with everything outside and inside Every thought, every jealousy, every suspicion, you identify with it. Everything that happens, every dent in your car, every time your house burns down. or We're in Southern California here, so people's houses do burn down. And there are people who are terribly identified with all that. I've lost everything. Really? you have your life, you have your family, you have your health, you haven't lost everything. All you've lost is a house. But everything I owned was in it. No, only if you're external, then everything you owned was in it. But if you're internal, then you've stored up a treasure where fire can't burn it. Thieves can't steal it. Moth can't eat it. Rust can't eat it. Another little saying from some ancient esoteric literature. And if you're asleep, you're not remembering yourself. Just that simple. So you have no force of consciousness. And it's only when you begin to remember yourself that you start to generate, start to gather force of consciousness. Asleep, we feed the great machine of organic life. Asleep, you're cattle, you're sheep, you're a field of wheat. You're just here to be harvested and eaten. Well, not all wheat is eaten. No, that's true. A lot of it is turned into grain alcohol. A lot of it is fed to animals and it never gets to humans. So yeah, that's true. Only beginning to awaken can we find out the way out. As we begin to awaken, then slowly it dawns on us that there is a way out of this, that there's something to get out of and something to get into. Slowly, we stop having just this one thing, life, where we have to get all the things in life. So that we can be happy. But when we begin to awaken, we see that there's an internal side to us. And that it doesn't matter how many things we get in the external world. If that internal side of us is not at peace and properly ordered and properly functioning, you can mount up mountains of houses, cars, gold, silver, relationships, whatever, and not be happy, not be at peace, not be satisfied. Gurdjieff said, If man were properly conscious, he would not serve nature. He was created to awaken, to develop. But he's gradually losing all sense of himself, losing indeed everything of value for himself. You listen to older people, and what will they tell you? They will tell you the same thing that older people have always been saying, that the youth of today are going astray. Socrates said it. People have been saying it for centuries, millennia. But it's hogwash isn't it? We're getting better all the time, aren't we? Because we think that we have electricity and airplanes, that somehow that makes us better. But the truth is, is it really just put us more asleep. It put us more into the external world and drew us out of the internal world. Living in imaginary I and false personality, were used fully by the great machine. One of the things about life is, if you observe it at all, you notice that nothing goes to waste out there. Everything is used, eaten by something else. The tree drops some leaves, the leaves fall to the ground, moisture, bacteria get to it, they eat it, it breaks it down to a certain extent, worms get to it, they eat it, breaks it down more, everything is being used, and then the plant then sucks up all those nutrients and starts all over again. It's this constant cycle of birth and death, this constant cycle of everything being used. And we, too, are being fully used by the great machine, organic life, unless we begin to escape from it. We live in an expanding universe. An expanding universe means a growing universe, a living universe. It's not a dead universe. It's not a dying universe. It is expanding. It's growing at an enormous rate. The stars, the galaxies are moving away from us. Where are they going? The universe is expanding and we can't comprehend it. Our minds cannot comprehend the vastness of the universe. An expanding universe that uses every bit of energy that's available. That's where we're living. In an expanding universe that uses every bit of energy that's available. Can you see that everything is being used? There's no waste here. We waste food. We throw out more food than probably any other nation in the world. But where does it go? It feeds something. We've got bigger, better rats than we've ever had before. It's feeds something. Everything is being used. If you're serving the great machine being used fully, what are you being used for? Of course, it doesn't really matter, but it doesn't look like it's for the benefit of the human race. Why do I say that? Well, because we're still killing each other and stealing from each other and murdering each other. And when we do it in mass, we're still looking for bigger weapons of mass destruction that can kill even more people at a single push of the button. This is progress. This is insanity. Yet we think nothing of it. Well, but we have to. Well, we have to do that. If we don't do that, they'll get us. It's insanity. insanity. Who's they? Those people who are not us. Those people who don't agree with us. Those people who want to take away from us what we have. What's the answer to that? Somebody wants to take away from you what you have. Give it to them. There you go. Enjoy. Here, take this too. Thank you for unburdening me. But we don't think of it that way, do we? Because we're external. Because we live in the world and we live by the world and we live by the rules of the world externally. And when you develop internally, you can let all that go. That's what this work is about. That's what all esoteric teachings are about. All of them. And that's why we don't value them, because we don't want that. We don't want to let go of the things in the world. We want to amass them. We don't want people to come and take what's ours, because we don't want to give it and give them that too. If he comes and he asks for your cloak, give him your shirt also, or something like that. Is that it? Forget that. Why do you think I carry a gun? <laughs> because you're afraid. Because you're afraid you're going to lose what you think you are, what you're attached to, what you're identified with out there. That's why. That's why I think you carry a gun. We've been told for thousands of years how to develop and escape the hypnotism of life by coming under better influences. But we need to work on ourselves to do it. And, you know, we're not so hot on that. We don't have a lot of time for that. we got other things to do that are priorities. We've got to pay the phone bill, pay the electric bill, pay the water bill, pay the mortgage. We've got to make the car payments. We've got to buy food. We've got to buy clothes. Then we also have to have a certain amount for entertainment. We've got to have our relaxation after all that work to buy all that stuff. We need some entertainment, so we need to just go and watch a movie or go and watch a play or go and do something so that we can stop thinking about all this just long enough to think that maybe life's worth living if we could just get enough stuff so that we'd have enough leisure time to relax and have entertainment. You're smiling like you've been nailed. <laughs> that look of nailed. I've been nailed. Oh my God, I've been nailed. He's talking about me. I'm talking about us, people. I'm talking about our whole world. This is where we live. This is why there's so much consciousness available, but not to us because we don't want it. We want the stuff in the world. And the first step is to tell the truth. Yes, I'm a whore for the world. Give me more stuff. We have nice ways in the world to say it. People aren't gluttons anymore. They're foodies. (laughs) That's so great, isn't it? We have just candy-coated everything. Used to be people were gluttons. Pigs, you know, they just ate too much. Now they're foodies. Oh, these people really are into food. They really enjoy it. Really? Is that why you're going to be buried in a piano crate? Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to be buried with all my food. (laughs) But I'm going to eat it first. Development can't be legislated. See, this is what we believe. We believe development can be legislated. We think we're going to legislate progress in human development. And it can't be done. You can't legislate it. You can't make people obey laws. There's not enough enforcers to enforce even the laws we have. We were driving along the other day and I said, have you noticed that it's been a year now since I think July last year, you had to, you couldn't talk on the phone while you drove your car unless you had some kind of a special earpiece so that it had to be hands-free. So now what do people do? Well they text message with both hands while they drive, you know? So they got their elbows on their wrist on the steering wheel and they're text messaging and they're looking up and down and up and down and up and down because they're multitaskers. So they're driving 70 miles an hour on the freeway texting somebody. This is really important stuff. Now, I hope you're listening to this because this is what people are doing. This is what they're willing to put their lives and the lives of other people at risk for, a text message. This is why you can't have a conversation with a human being today because they're now hooked up wirelessly. So they're going to ring or beep or Twitter or something at any moment. So if you've got anything to say to them, you better make it fast and do it now because they're going to get a phone call or text message or they're going to beep or they're going to buzz or something's going to happen and you're going to lose them. Somebody else is going to have them because... That will trump you. Phone calls, text messages, trump real people, trump real relationships. Well, I gotta answer this. It could be money. Maybe somebody wants to give me some money. I gotta answer this. Think about it, people. Think about it. Where are our values? Development can't be legislated. Gurdjieff said man was born in a state of self-remembering. Being born among sleeping people, he fell asleep. This work is to wake us up. Hypnotized in a sleep, we see no danger. And we imagine, even when we do sense our condition, we imagine that we have infinite time and that we can do. And that imagination keeps us inactive. Well, I've got time. I'll do it later. It's like the story I told you about the two kids. They didn't go to Sunday school. And the preacher came out and said, you know, they were drawing on the sidewalk with chalk. He said, how come you boys aren't in Sunday school? Oh, it's boring. We don't want to go in there. We like it out here. Don't you want to go to heaven? No, I don't want to go to heaven. What do you mean? You don't want to go to heaven when you die? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I die, I thought you were getting up a whole busload now. Forget about that. And there you are. We think we've got time. We've got this infinite amount of time. We'll get to it some other time. But right now, I want to do this. Right now, this is what's important to me. So you have what's important to you. Where your treasure is, is where your heart is. And where your heart is, is where your treasure is. Ah, more ancient esoteric literature. We see the light at the end of the tunnel. And in our dream state, we imagine it's something other than the train bearing down on us. See, we think that the light at the end of the tunnel that's getting closer is our way out. When the truth is, it's a train. And we're stuck on the tracks. And we've got it all wrong. We've just got it all wrong. And if we didn't have it all wrong, the world wouldn't look the way it does. You wouldn't have to lock your doors and windows. You wouldn't have to have police forces and armies. You wouldn't have to have new and exciting weapons of mass destruction that could kill more and more people in a flash. Maurice Nicole said, How do you personally serve the pain factory? By actual pain? Yes, of course. By any other kind of pain? Yes. By much subtler pain than animals can offer. Well, what is the much subtler pain that you can offer the great machine of organic life? Mental, emotional, negative emotions? What about we feed the great machine with all the psychological pain arising from imaginary I and false personality? Envies, jealousies, hatreds, And unhappiness, the unhappiness of not being properly recognized, not being properly treated. Don't you know who I am? How could you say that to me? Don't you know who I am? We're smart enough not to say that verbally, but inside it's screeching in your head. Who does he think he is? Doesn't he know who I am? We consider ourselves reasonably happy. I mean, we're pretty happy people. When we're liked and appreciated, imaginary I is satisfied and we have a sense of peace. But then wait five minutes and somebody doesn't like us. Somebody doesn't appreciate us. Where's the peace? Vanity can't be satisfied and we fill with negative emotions and then we start to hate everybody. But when we're happy, we're satisfied. We love everybody. Oh, hi. But when we're negative, we hate everybody. We're suspicious of everybody. <laughs> what are you so happy about? Shut up. We even, we even hate happy people. They become a thorn in our flesh because they're happy and we're not. When we're disliked, where's the peace? It's gone. But in this state, we're star workers in the pain factory, and our force is being drained away by the second... So in a state of unhappiness, lack of peace, negativity, we're out in the field cultivating our own pain so that something can devour it, so that something can take that energy and sustain itself with it. Well, that's insane. How can you say that pain can be food? Well, easily. How can you say that rotten food can be food? I mean, look at anything. I don't care what it is. Bacteria. There's something that will eat it. No matter how disgusting you think it is, something else thinks it's a banquet. No matter what you think your pain is, something else is making a banquet of it and you don't have to know what it is other than the great machine of organic life and if you want to make something up go ahead whatever just don't start a religion there are too many of them now still we think that if we had a different husband a different wife better car better house bigger house we'd really be happy then and it'd be a lasting happiness because that's what we really want imaginary eye must go the work says if you begin to use your first inner sense that can be developed self-observation observing eye you'll begin to see what will you see that we're not one but many. We'll see that we're a whole bunch of different contradictory eyes. We'll see that we have no real eye, that this imaginary eye that we think we are is not us. This is the first step in the work and it serves to break up imagination that we have one real permanent eye. It may take years to do this. If you think it's something that's going to happen this week or this month or this year, you are mistaken. You're in imagination. You have not calculated second force. What opposes you? What opposes you is bigger than Goliath, and you are tinier than David. And guess what? You don't have any five smooth stones or a sling yet. You've got to find the stones. You've got to go gather those stones. Then you've got to put them in the sling and then you've got to have a good aim, a really good aim. This sounding like the work? The stones are the truth. Good aim. You gotta have a good aim. You gotta be accurate. You gotta be able to do. You gotta be able to sling that stone and aim right, aim true, with enough force to bring down second force. What opposes you? What is it that opposes you? Well, you yourself. That's what opposes you. The you that could be is opposed by the you that you now are. And you want to protect the you that you now are and are willing to lay down your very life to do it. You'd much rather lay down somebody else's life first, but push comes to shove. And you will have to lay down your life. You will have to lay down this life for the sake of the new life being formed in you. Until we do, we can't begin to work on false personality. Our self-important I must be weakened to the point that we can begin to see our current governor is non-existent. The current governor is imaginary eye, and it's non-existent. When this happens, we begin to take everything in a new way, having begun to shift our feeling of eye. Your feeling of eye starts to shift ever so slightly out of imaginary eye. Something happens. It's unsettling. It's not the most comfortable, wonderful feeling. It's very unsettling. But what a glorious day when we no longer have to be the unparalleled idiots that we've been. Think about it. Just look back over your idiocy, your lifetime of moronic behavior, your lifetime of stupidity, of arrogant brashness and hurting people and hurting yourself look back at that and notice that some of those things you don't have to do now isn't that cool (laughs) that is so cool it's like yes i did those things but i don't have to do them now now i have other idiotic things i can do and someday if i keep working i'll be able to look back at those idiotic things and say yes i did those idiotic things but i don't have to do them anymore either well, there's always something at either end of that. But that's all right. Then we begin to see into false personality, where sits enthroned imaginary eye, as in a fortress. Imaginary eye wraps itself up in false personality. And false personality is like a castle. It's like a fortress with a moat and alligators in the moat and walls and archers on the walls. I mean, it's like hard to get in there. But once you begin to see, then things change because letting the light in is what changes things. Letting the light in. You're not going to change it. You don't have the power to do it, but you can let the light in. And it takes great courage to let the light in on yourself. Great courage. But it can be done. We begin to see we're not one, and we're certainly not the same all the time. And we begin to see that imaginary eye is imagination. Right now we don't see that so much. Right now we think, that's who I am. That's what I feel. We name everything as mine, ours. I feel this, I think that. When we begin to get rid of this clever despot, imaginary eye, the psychological illusion, we begin to see false personality. This is the first step in awakening from the state of sleep that governs the world. If you wish to separate yourself from the world, if you wish to separate yourself from the fate of all of life on this planet and have a different destiny, then the first step is an awakening from this state of sleep that we're in. And the first tool that you can develop is self-remembering. That's my story. I'm sticking with it. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.